Welcome, everybody, to Live From Tomorrow. I am your host, Matt Hooper. Each week, we weave together guest interviews with comedic segments to bring tomorrow vividly to life, offering a bold, humorous perspective on what's next across business, technology, politics, and entertainment. And on today's show, we're thinking about, well, learning. And more specifically, the need to be guided in our learning. Figured we'd start this one off with a song. One, two, three, four. school teacher I don't mean to be an overreacher the way to learn the words I need ain't always fine I know truth is out there I sense the science floating out in the play air a golden lesson calling out from the thoroughfare not just on the line and I'm doing fine but I just can't stand Missing for martinets with apples in hand They are trying to pause in my brain For I take a stand of my own And I want to learn all that I can know Try to find the way the wind actually blows I don't care if it's online in class or up my nose Oh teacher, I know you're looking out Help me help myself to find just what it's all about Online lessons have some rock and roll features. My curiosity's a mythical creature taking flight. Oh, so high, and I'm doing fine, cause I know better than you told me be discerning. I'm a learned, leading man. It's the future of the classroom, and I've got a plan of my own. Oh, we got the facts, and we're voting yes. Teachers lead the quest into a factual treasure chest And all that wealth and knowledge we can finally divest From alternative facts online Our teacher, start us on the way And we'll be just fine Live from tomorrow, we'll be back after a short break So many of our conversations on this show, especially lately, have been between myself and someone innovating from within a large corporation. This is an especially relevant theme in the COVID era, as we have had to entirely rethink our approach to, well, the way we used to do stuff. (laughs) And few areas have been as transformed during this time as the classroom, which, like so much else, was already being transformed by digitization before the pandemic. To speak to not only corporate innovation, but also about how to support learners of all ages, 
not only how to evolve as a publishing company, but to have the end result of that evolution mean you have become an ed tech company, I did what we always do on this part of the show. I sat down to chat with an expert. All right, everybody. I am extremely excited to be chatting with my next guest, uh, my, my, my only guest today. Let's face it. We only have one guest per, per episode. Uh, Matthew Cantwell, the Chief Strategy Officer for the International Division at McGraw-Hill. Matthew, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Thanks for having me, Matt. Uh, firstly, great, great first name. I just wanted to get that out of the way. I appreciate, I appreciate your first name. Same to you. <laughs> Uh, so I, I certainly have an understanding of what McGraw Hill, uh, has done historically. Um, but I happen to know based on conversations you and I had leading up to this interview that, that the McGraw Hill that maybe many of our listeners have ingrained in their, in their mind, right? That it's a textbook publishing company is not only not the McGraw Hill of today, it's not what you have personally helped to turn McGraw Hill into. And it's a really exciting story of corporate transformation. So what was McGraw-Hill back in 2013 when you began there? What, what, what sort of business was it in and how, what, what kind of business did you think it needed to be? Sure, uh, Matt. Thanks for the question. Uh, I joined McGraw-Hill in 2013 when our current owner, uh, private equity fund Apollo, um, uh, bought uh, McGraw-Hill out from its parent company, S&P. At the time, McGraw-Hill was very, very much a publisher. Um, it was a publishing company. You've probably had some of our textbooks in high school or college. Um, and there's a 125-year legacy of, of books and uh, creating really good world-class content as a publisher. That's what McGraw-Hill was. And what did you think McGraw-Hill had to become? I mean, as a CSO... Your job is to really think about, and, and specifically in the international division, where a company like this is going next, right? Yeah. So publishing has has had an interesting sort of cycle in the 21st century. Were you paying attention to larger trends? Were you seeing what McGraw-Hill was good at? Like, what, where did you begin the, the transformation story? Yeah, the thesis um, for investment or acquisition of McGraw-Hill was, was built around a few things. It was, one, our brand name is globally recognizable. Um, I think two was the opportunity to transition to digital um, and, and three was international growth. Um, and I was especially involved in, in the last piece there, international growth. When I joined, we were vast majority print business. Um, we're, we're proud to say that uh, as of this year, more than half of our revenues, about 58% in total come from digital. Um, so I think we've successfully made that transition from print to digital. It was it was a long uh, transition and it was it was multifaceted, uh, but about you know eight years later we're we're hitting the mark where I think we intended to be from the start. Against whom are you vying for? I'll ask it this way: Against whom are you vying for customers, users, etc.? In our specific space, it's say instructional materials and courseware. We have a few, you know, other well-known publishers. I won't name their names, <laughs> but um, you know, they're kind of doing what we're doing in different ways. Um, there's a company like McGraw Hill uh, that is British that approaches the um, industry uh, with a British curriculum um, and a British education. Um, you know, but I think much more broadly than that, we're now competing with a lot of new entrants, new entrants like Coursera. Um, new entrants like Masterclass, um, new, new entrants 
uh, in the certificate space that are, you know, even sometimes our customers, uh, where I think there's an opportunity to deliver whole course solutions now remotely and online instead of a textbook or even instead of a degree. That, that's, that brings me to one of the things that I, I'm so keen to ask, because you're our first ed tech guest this season. What is the future of the certification process? I mean, now that we've had, hopefully, if, if the vaccination schedule adheres, it will have been a little over a year since the world as we knew it shut down. And it has affected students K to 12, college, grad school alike, right? Mm-hmm. So, so where is the opportunity there? Because we understand the opportunity in remote learning, the actual technological opportunity, but where's the opportunity to rethink the scholastic experience, particularly in, in higher ed, where it is so expensive and the student loan debt trap is, is real. What, what role do you see your company playing in reconfiguring what that experience is like for future generations of students? Yeah, yeah. The, the first step we took there was an affordability initiative. And um, you, you can see from the history of our pricing that we've brought down prices, um, well, just massively over the last five or six years. I think even, you know, even though I'm biased, our textbook pricing when we joined was, was just very high. And now you can get uh, digital ebook solutions, courseware solutions for a, a fraction of that price. So that was the first step we took. want to want to make sure I mention the affordability initiative. Um, I think to answer your question, though, what will happen to the space more broadly? I think there will will be a role for the for campus and, and higher education. And I, I and we, the company, very strongly believe in the role of the instructor, the teacher. I, I don't think that's going to go away. But I think there will be more um, more of merging certificates, credentials, the skilling alongside uh, before, during, and after that campus experience. And I think you may see some who decide not to go to college but might stack credentials. I think that space will continue to grow. I think you'll see kind of modularized, digitized, and kind of continuous approach to education throughout a learner's lifetime. Finally, what uh, what do you think McGraw-Hill will be? What will it look like in 2030? Mm-hmm. Great question. I think that by that point, uh, we will probably be selling fewer books. <laughs> I think we will have more and, and um, more flexible digital education solutions in a number of different formats um, that are really isolated and targeted towards different learning needs. Live from tomorrow, we'll be back after the break. Look, McGraw-Hill is doing it right. They adjust for affordability, adapt to digital challenges, and guide learners. But at a time when so many of us live in entirely different spheres of information, it feels like we no longer share a common set of facts. We're all learning, well, different facts, which means that some of us are just straight up learning fiction. (laughs) Lies. And this got me thinking. If companies fail to follow McGraw-Hill's lead and guide students' learning, what will our world look like without a common base of facts? Will tomorrow be a place where we can just, like, shop for our own facts? Insufficient funds. Uh... Oh, right. Who's my next appointment? 
Hello, welcome to the Stable Genius Bar. I'm Jimny, I'll be your specialist. Everything okay? Yeah, hi Jimny, I'm just staring at my banking app, wondering where all my money has gone and feeling more crushed than ever by the collapse of modern society into digital madness. Sorry? It, nothing. <clears throat> I, uh, here, let me put my phone away. It's my other device, my fact sheet, that's the problem. It's been very slow lately. All right. Mind if I take a look at the device, Mr. Hopper? It's Hooper? Uh, actually, it's not. See, after you made your appointment online, we ran your last name through our system to make sure that it was spelled the way that most people feel it's spelled, not how it's actually spelled. That's why I'm Jimny and not Ginny, and why I'm a specialist, spelled S-P-E-S-H-U-L-I-S-T, and not... Huh. I don't remember how to spell specialist. <laughs> look, I like to keep real facts or you know, what we once upon a time just called facts on my sheet. And so if I have to download anything new on this thing and I end up losing... Mm, yep, okay. It would appear that your fact sheet OS is out of date. Oh, it would also appear you've spent a lot of time searching for true facts. Real old school. But I should remind you of what the founder of Fact Sheet said when he started this company. I, Abraham Lincoln, believe in lying about everything, including my name, and that's a fact. But so does everyone else, so it's cool. And nobody likes a smarty pants. End quote. <laughs> mm, wise words. Anyway, you'll definitely need to download an OS update so we can get you synced up with all new facts. That shouldn't take more than a few minutes. You want to enter your password for me? Uh, sure. This does mean that I'm going to lose all the facts I previously purchased, right? For the most part, yes. But once the download is finished, you'll be taken to the fact marketplace to bid on facts you never even knew about, like how the earth is flat or that a turtle named Milo is the king of Florida. Yeah, I didn't know about them because those aren't facts. Well... At least the first one isn't. You can't just choose facts. I mean, I get that that's the way things are now, that that's your business, but, but words used to mean something. Unless you're guided through your learning, you can really just end up not knowing anything. And so your facts become different than my facts, and that negates the very concept of facts, and, well, here we are. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay, Mr. Hopper, if you scroll up to the top here, you'll see that our two most popular categories are history of the human species and the United States Constitution, about which people feel all sorts of ways, and so they're buying all sorts of facts. Some are real facts, some are fake facts. Then that means they're not... <sighs> okay, I don't know why I'm fighting this. It's not like sticking to the facts has worked for me. I'm broke. <laughs> If you can't beat them, join them, right? Ooh, that's a popular phrase in the immutable truth category. Shall I let you know if that becomes available to bid on again? <laughs> if you can't beat them, join them is a fact now, too. I... sure. Why not? I, I, excuse me! Excuse me, but I have been waiting for ten days! Can I get some help over here? I'll be right with you, Mrs. Jensen. And while I know you bought a fact that told you not to trust clocks, I can assure you that it's been 10 minutes, not 10 days. Oh, tomato potato. Mr. Hopper, will you excuse me for just a moment? Yeah, just when the OS is downloaded, I can go straight to the fact marketplace or- Absolutely, and then after you bid in the marketplace, it will prompt you to add each fact to your cart and proceed to checkout. Okay, thank you. Hey, brother, what are you in here for? I, uh... I have to download a new OS for my fact sheet, apparently. Shh, be cool. I mean, what are you in here for? Like, how much you want to make? After all, you're going to start bidding in the marketplace when this download's done. I... yeah. Sorry, who are you? My name is Daryl, but that's not important. Nice to meet you, Daryl. I'm Matt. I said be cool. Listen, I can see you're a smart guy. One of the real old school fact lovers. Frankly, you're an endangered species. But let me tell you, there are still others around like you. Science people, thinking people, like nine or ten schnooks still reading books, and also people who can rhyme like me. 
which makes the marketplace a little more competitive than I'm sure you're expecting it to be. Because as soon as most folks get in there, bam, they want the good facts, the true facts, the fact facts. So you need to bid on them first. Wh why? Because once you buy something that's empirically true, an actual fact, you're in possession of something very valuable. And you can resell it at a higher price. How gravity works, what year is it? These are things people want to know. They're true things. And they remind people just for a second of what the fact-based world used to be. I mean, you see Mrs. Jensen over there? I don't, wh why won't it tell me that I was born with the highest IQ of all time? Because nobody's uploaded that fact yet, Mrs. Jensen. So if you want to bid on a fact that says, Leslie Jensen was born with the highest IQ of all time, you would first have to upload it. Uh, but there are so many facts on my sheet that I hate. Uh, two plus two is four. The Second Amendment doesn't say it's okay to own automatic weapons. I, why can't I get rid of those and add new good ones? You can, Mrs. Jenkins, I'm telling you, but as I said, you would first have to upload the new fact. I don't wanna do that. I wanna upload a fact that says that's not how this works. Mrs. Jenkins. Also, it says that my granddaughter Mabel is failing eighth grade. I don't want that fact. If Audie Goldman can just post a fact that says his grandson is so great, then why can't I? Oh, well, Artie Goldman's grandson is so great. Mrs. Jenkins, Tyler is awesome. He has cool light-up sneakers. <sighs> this is crazy. I, I mean, at this point, the majority of the things that appear on our fact sheets are outright lies. Hey, look at that. Your download is done. Oh, wow. Time to hit the fact marketplace. Okay, so here's what you're gonna do, Seamus. My name is Matt. First, let's get you bidding on some serious facts. Second, let's upload a photo with your face and write Seamus underneath. It's a better name for you. You look like a Seamus, and we can make it a fact in no time. Daryl, what, what is it that you're doing here exactly? I'm a fact importer-exporter. I spin wild fictions and upload them to the fact marketplace, and then I help folks like you, folks who care about facts, buy the real facts so they're in good hands. That's noble of you, Daryl, I guess. And then I help you resell them, and I take a cut. That's less noble. Mr. Hopper, how's the download coming? Is it done? Yes, and, uh... Hey, tell her you're in the fact marketplace now, and you found a bunch of facts you like, and you're ready to start bidding. I, I, I'm in the fact marketplace now. I've found a bunch of facts I like, and I'm ready to start bidding. Great. I'll come back over when you've successfully put a bid in. Say thank you. Thank you. Now, which facts look good to you? You're gonna want a motherload, Seamus. A big fact. One that really speaks to reality. Why? Just so I can sell it and give you a percentage? Yes. Yes, exactly. How can I do that? We don't have a contract. I don't even know you. Six months ago, I uploaded a fact that says written contracts mean nothing. It's one of the most valuable facts ever posted. Still, that doesn't mean- Oh, look at that fact. The earth rotates around the sun. It only costs a hundred dollars. Oh, if you buy it now, I bet you can resell it for five, ten thousand dollars in just a few minutes. Really? Less asking, more buying, Seamus. Uh, okay, here. I have to type in my credit card. <coughs> my fee is 10%. Doesn't that seem a little- Look, somebody wants to outbitch. Oh, but time is money. Okay, fine. There, I bought it. <sighs> Do you want your $10 now or- oh. Uh, ten percent of one hundred dollars is seventy-five dollars, Seamus. Uh, that's a fact. What? Daryl, what did I tell you about coming to the Stable Genius Bar and harassing our customers? But I'm not doing anything. Don't make me call security. All right, all right, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Go, go. Are you all right, Mr. Hopper? My last name is... Yeah, 
I guess so. How's it going over here? I, I'm all done, Jimny, thank you. I bought a pretty good fact, and maybe I'll just keep it right here on my sheet. Maybe I won't resell it. Because the Earth does rotate around the sun, you know? And it feels good to just... to know something. To hold on to a true thing. A real fact in the traditional sense of the word. Wait. The Earth revolves around the sun? I'm sorry, Mr. Hopper, but if that's what your fact sheet is telling you, that is some ridiculous crazy sheet. But it's... it's true. I mean, I mean, I know that empirically. I... Mr. Hopper, this fact has been downvoted by users in the marketplace for years. Most humans insist that the Earth spins for no one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not for free, at least. The Earth is not a sucker. Hell no. So, so this probably doesn't have much resale value then anyway, does it? If no one believes it? That guy Daryl was telling me that somebody would buy this fact because it was true for five or ten thousand dollars. <laughs> Are you kidding? The true facts are the lowest sellers in the fact marketplace. Daryl's a scammer. He comes in here all the time. The best thing to do is just to ignore him. And if you're looking to make some money, you're going to want to bet on some of the less true facts. Yeah, nobody's been guided and they're learning for years. All that personalization, all the digitization without the right oversight. Well, it's led to all this. Hey, I still need help over here. Okay, coming, Miss Jenkins. Here's a tip, Mr. Hopper. Why don't you start generating facts of your own? Facts that you know people will want to buy because of how it makes them feel. I'd stay away from the true stuff for a while. It's like Abraham Lincoln said, nobody likes the smarty pants. Do you need to get that? No, it's my banking app. It goes off when I have insufficient funds. Wait, facts that I know people want to buy? Excuse me, Mrs. Jenkins, is it? Yeah. I, I couldn't help but overhear you earlier about your granddaughter. Well, wouldn't you know it, I've just posted this fact that says she's really, truly amazing. And wow, yeah, it even says how much more amazing she is than Artie Goldman's grandson. Really? Oh, oh, how much do you want for it? I just, uh, well, based on the interest from other users, it looks like it's bound to go for- I'm getting out my checkbook. Oh, uh, how does $100,000 sound? Um, it sounds... <laughs> oh, Mr. Hopper, I just got a notification. That phrase you wanted is available to bid on now. If you can't beat him, join him. G great. Uh, thank you, Jimny. That's... That's right. All right, folks, that's our show. I want to thank our guest, Matthew Cantwell, our cast, Kelly Quinn, Ann Veal, Matthew Walters-Bowens, and Raleigh Williams, our composer, Ben Easton, the wonderful song you heard to kick off our episode is called Hey School Teacher, written by Ben Easton, performed by Mark Levy and Jim Bloom, and mixed by Trevor Brown. I am your writer and host, Matt Hooper. You can check us out on Instagram at Live From Tomorrow Official, and I'll catch you all back here next Thursday. Thanks, folks.